0: Hello and thanks for listening to the podcast where you can get collective advice for CRM in higher education. I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank Montoya, I am the Operations Manager at Arizona State University and I'm currently responsible for for the Salesforce Administrator Development and Business Analyst Teams. Haley, can you introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely, thanks Frank. Uh, Hello listeners, I'm Haley Gould, I'm the CRM Manager at Michigan State University. Um, I am the Salesforce product owner, and I lead the CRM implementation team. Uh, we were definitely excited last week to do a random fact, um, and so we're gonna do one now. Uh, and actually, I just want you guys to learn a little bit more about Frank uh, and his family. So Frank, tell me a little bit about your family. You have a couple of kids, right?
0: Well, I have three daughters. I have an older daughter who just finished uh, getting her degree here at ASU, uh, at Arizona State University, and then I have two teenage twins. Um, and that's all I will say about
1: <laughs> three daughters. Oh my god Three
0: daughters—they they keep me on my toes. That's for sure.
1: I believe it. I don't. I don't have any kids yet. Definitely hopeful soon. But we do have a little dachshund who rules our house completely. He's 20 pounds, and he is the king of the castle. But yeah, uh, you'll uh, you'll definitely learn more about us throughout the season. We'll try to include a random fact at the beginning, even if it's you know, even if it's just about what we do outside of salesforce, hobbies, things like that. Like you, we started this podcast with the hopes of learning from others and gaining knowledge about how others have approached Salesforce and higher ed. Um, It's a really unique industry and we have a lot to share, so our goal is to open up the collaboration and storytelling to all of our listeners. Um, So many wonderful conversations happen at events like the Higher Ed Summit, which we have to make sure we talk about later, Uh, and we hope to bring those conversations to the surface to you here on the podcast.
0: While we have planned segments, each interview is completely unique and collaborative with our guests and their experience. We'll talk about anything and everything and give advice on how to approach it. If we're really lucky, we'll have input from other members of the Higher Education Advisory Council. In fact, today we're super lucky we get to interview one.
1: So uh, before we get started, I want to make sure that we kind of give our disclaimer and we let you know that all questions and opinions shared are our own as are the opinions and answers shared by our guests. Uh, This podcast has grown out of efforts by the Higher Ed Advisory Council, where we aim to help provide context and experiences to help you in your journey with Salesforce. Any suggestions, products, or partners mentioned in this recording are for informational and contextual purposes only. Before making any decisions, please reach out to your account and success representatives from salesforce.org. Thank you, Haley. Let's go ahead and
0: get started with today's
1: episode. So Today's
0: episode features Joanna Iterby from the University of Colorado Boulder. As the director of CRM, her role focuses on strategy and implementation within the Leeds School of Business. Joanna is the VP of the Higher Education Advisory Council and the Salesforce MVP. We can't wait to hear more from her and how they are transforming the end-to-end experience at Leeds. Thank you for being with us today, Joanna.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're super excited. You are probably one of the most famous people in our higher ed uh, committee. You're always doing MC stuff at the higher ed summit. Um, and so I, I laughed because I wanted to come up with this really great question for you today, like a funny question that you'd have something to. So I came up with one. And Frank, you're going to have to answer too, okay? Um, so if you were a snack in a vending machine, what would you be and why? Okay. Joanna, can you can to answer first? <laughs>
2: A snack in a vending machine. Okay. Um, I would have to be those munchies chips, extra spicy if they have them, because I got a little bit of something for everyone.
1: <laughs> That's a good answer. good answer. I knew you would. Frank, do you have
0: one? Uh, put me on the spot. Uh, you know what? I would be a bag of Fritos for a couple of reasons. It was my favorite snack when I was growing up. And in my household, we put Fritos on everything, and everything with a Frito tasted good. So I would be a good Frito.
1: Yeah, it's like a layer of breadcrumb. <laughs> <from. laughs> I like it. <laughs> I i don't know what I would be exactly, except for I've got to be like um, some sort of candy bar, like chocolate bar, because um, one, I have a sweet tooth, and I like to think I'm relatively optimistic. People are happier when they eat chocolate, so I'm going to go with something like that. My favorite candy bar is actually a Three Musketeers. Um, So I would be a Three Musketeers fan. (laughs)
0: Great answer. answer. So Joanna, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started with Salesforce and what has led you to the MVP status you have today?
2: All right. Um, I'm really happy to be here with y'all today. You'll hear me say y'all consistently because I am a proud Texan. I was not born but raised in Waco, Texas and very much a part of a Baylor family. Um, I'm the youngest of 12 kids from a blended family. And although... Academia wasn't for all of us. We didn't, you know, we didn't all pursue um, higher education. Whether we were book smart or street smart, we all seem to have left brained jobs, is what I like to call them. We're all very logical. And so we've got mechanics, we've got police officers and detectives, and then we've got computer scientists and engineers within my family. I have a nuclear engineer as a sister. And so um, they all, all of my sisters who were older than me, went on to do these great things. And my my dad was a fully tenured professor for I think 38 years at Baylor in the computer science program. He helped found it and ended up being its own school. And then my mom was a lead developer at Baylor. And so I was thinking, that's not really for me. That's not really my cup of soup. And so I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get my journalism degree and I'm going to do public relations. So that's what I actually started out doing. I got my degree and I worked in the private sector in marketing for about a year and then somehow found myself working at Baylor. In the business school, the Hancomer School of Business, doing recruitment and admissions um, for the graduate program. So I was using my marketing and my PR, but we did a really small implementation of Salesforce while I was there. And I was a couple of decades younger than everyone else in the office and I picked it up really easily and very much became what we call the accidental admin in the Salesforce ecosystem. And I started thinking, huh, I think I could do more with this. And we started looking to leave Texas and we had just had our first daughter. Um, She's almost nine now. And I got my job here in the IT department at the Leeds School of Business, and that was seven and a half years ago. And what I got the job for seven and a half years ago compared to what it is now is, you know, completely different, but in a good way. We've really just grown and expanded a lot over the last seven years, particularly with our Salesforce implementation. So I've actually worked with Salesforce in a variety of ways for 12 years now. Um, but all in higher education. And it was in the recruitment admissions, front-end user, accidental admin, and now as the director leading up the team that does the implementations. Um, it's really been exciting to see Salesforce grow, to see myself grow, and to see this implementation here grow.
1: Hey, so I didn't know, realize you had like a Baylor background. What not there like a famous chant like Sikkim or something like that at Baylor?
2: Uh, sick on bears.
1: <laughs> I knew you would know it. <laughs> of
2: course I do. My parents My would disown me uh, if I didn't.
1: Yeah. My husband's really a uh, like, big fan of sports, but specifically um, like big programs that have lots of traditions. Mm-hmm. He gets really excited about them and I usually hear about them and I I, I vaguely remembered like the specific chairs.
2: What's super fun is that Baylor has a live mascot, the bear, um, mm-hmm. and they, they are there. Um, uh, judge and... Joyce I think are the names of the two right now don't quote me on that and then I moved to University of Colorado and we have a live mascot a buffalo buffalo. here and so it's super fun that I've gone to these two schools that are so drastically different in so many ways but we've got live mascots and both of them have gold
1: in their colors (laughs) I mean these are the requirements and the reason you choose these jobs right (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's awesome What what is um the CU what is his like what is the mascot the live mascot? He has like a... buffalo. He's a buffalo. Isn't he a funny name though? Um, Well, our our
2: person mascot is Chip. um, And they dress up like a buffalo. Don't tell the Mm -hmm. kids that's a person under there. (laughs) Um, That's Chip. And then the live buffalo at CU is Ralphie. And I know that she's kept in a very secret location. Like nobody knows where she's kept um, except for her handlers that go through all kinds of special training because they don't want to, you know, with rivalries against schools and they don't want anyone to ever have to, you know, we would just hate for any of our mascots to actually get injured. So
1: yeah. We,
0: we need to protect Ralphie. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Wow. I, so I didn't realize you had 12 years of experience. We actually have a similar admin history too, um, admissions to accidental admin. So, so um, I was going to say, though, you know, I always joke that, like, I don't know where I got my tech prowess from, but it sounds like the apple didn't fall too far from the tree for you. I
2: yeah,
1: fought I mean. it as
0: hard as I could,
2: but it was inevitable.
0: Well, I'm um, glad we're going to give you the opportunity to use your PR skills here, too.
1: Right, exactly. Very oh, good. you know it. So um, so I definitely think one of, the, one of the things we did really well in the last episode with Becky is we had her tell us a little bit more about the school. Um, so CU Boulder, in this case, Um, Obviously, she she was talking about Cornell last week. We have all kinds of questions from Becky for you, by the way. Um, Not just what you saw on Twitter. She she called you out a little bit last episode because she wants to hear more about how you guys do things. But I thought we could kind of set the stage a bit if you told us a little bit more about CU Boulder um, and then also about the lead school of business because I think you guys are, are, are pretty unique but also unique in your way that you're using Salesforce, which we'll definitely get into.
2: Yeah, Um, so the University of Colorado is actually four institutions in Colorado, Denver, and Anschutz Medical Campus, and then Boulder. So I'm on the campus out in Boulder, beautiful Boulder, Colorado, and we are the flagship institution. We're a major research institution between 35 and 40,000 students, Um, and we have the lead school of business here on campus, which is the eighth oldest business school in the country, actually, and so we have a really large student population here with about 4,000 students, undergrad, plus grad, and we have a large business minor program, and we have a dedicated IT group that I am in. And so the University of Colorado Boulder has what we call OIT, which is central IT that provides support and services and products um, centrally for the entire campus. We have UIS, University Information Systems, which is actually in downtown Denver, that provides some IT support services and products for all four campuses. And then unique to the Leeds faculty and staff, my IT department here is eight full-time under my uh, IT director, Dave Conkey, and then we have a small army of students who are amazing. Uh, So that's a little bit about how we're all sort of made up um, here at the University of Colorado, and we actually have had our implementation here at Leeds for almost six years now.
1: That's a long time in higher ed land um, for Salesforce. So, so take us back to kind of the sponsorship of this um, and how, how did the investment in Salesforce get started at Leeds? If you can kind of just take us back to the very inception of that.
2: Absolutely. So when I came to Leeds in 2011, I started as the applications manager and Salesforce didn't exist. Uh, We had some custom homegrown applications. We supported some third-party applications like Qualtrics and EMS for room reservations. Uh, And I staffed one junior developer. That was our staff uh, for applications. And when I started, the dean had um, the vision to have a centralized database so that we were all on the same page when it came to relationships and communications with our students as well as our employers and our corporate partners. And so immediately I went, to Salesforce, but we did do an RFP across several CRMs as well as several consultants before ultimately Salesforce was chosen and implemented in 2013. Because you know the pace of higher ed, and so whenever Salesforce was implemented here, uh, it was really a grassroots effort. I was driving a lot of it just because of my passion and knowing that Salesforce could work, it would work, and so I really, I think my energy maybe like oozed out. And finally, some of my end users caught on and the snowball started rolling and things started going. And it was really good. We had our administration support, but at an arm length. you know, we were getting the finances we need, we were getting the support, but they were really pretty hands off. And it really has been um, for the first three or four years, we were like that, but we got some assistant deans on board, and they were really driving, it, especially about out of our undergraduate career development office, and people started to see the ROI and the value add, and they were knocking on the door saying, can I get this, can I get this, what about that, what about that, and so it was very grassroots, and then about two or three years ago, um, our assistant dean of administration, or she's associate dean of administration now, Um, She really she really bought in and that's when we got that top-down Not just the financial commitment, but really their commitment through and through as far as strategy goes and it's really taken off since then
0: That is fantastic It sounds like uh, you've come a long way from the grassroots efforts and and now getting the support you need from the top-down So fantastic. So Joanna, let's talk a little bit more about the use cases you have within Salesforce now that you are uh, Have that Salesforce support Um, Can you tell us a little about the use cases that you're currently solving for?
2: Yeah, now here at Leeds we have about 145 users. That's primarily staff, some faculty, and then uh, again that very valuable student workforce that we leverage, and then I have four uh, staff here that drive that implementation. We are doing a lot with Salesforce to answer your question, but I'm guessing you want a little bit more detail. Um, So I will start with the students, of course. Um, We're one of the unique cases in higher ed. A lot of higher ed start with recruitment on the front end of the pipeline, or they start with alumni or advancement, okay? And we started smack dab in the middle with student success. Um, and so that's where we've started, and we've really expanded on either end since then. Um, we focused our efforts initially at the undergrad level, and we're doing undergraduate career services, career development. That's They've been our longest, biggest power users. They've been excellent. Um, and now we've got our undergraduate advising and all of our special programs, like our business minor program, our residential academic program, our diverse scholars program, our, our um, honors program and things like that. So really, we're tracking everything. This is our true system of engagement from the time they matriculate through the time they graduate. Um, We're also actively working on integrations to get their alumni experience tracked more closely in Salesforce and some of our advancement functions. And then um, kind of dovetailing off of the employer engagement and career relations. We're also doing some corporate relations work, and we've done a lot of things with what I call
0: faculty success. So we don't really hear a lot about faculty and staff support and or corporate relations within Salesforce. Can you kind of share a little more details on that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. These are two really exciting things that, um, for lack of a better word, sort of accidentally happened. Um, With the faculty and staff success it was really out of a a need. We had these old access databases that barely worked. I barely knew how to support them and Salesforce was really taking off and in my head it was almost like I dreamt up the architecture for for the faculty and staff um, entity relationship diagram and started running this by our consultant. And they're like, yeah, we can do this, let's knock it out. That ended up being our phase two of of our major phase project. Um, And so it was really out of a need. And it's been great because our faculty, our staff who support our faculty have been all in. And it's been um, great having them on the platform for four years now. And they track everything from a request to hire a new faculty or staff member, through their hiring, and if they're hired as tenured track, non-tenured track, what courses they're teaching and when, um, if they have any special appointments, and then we track all the way through um, when they retire and things like that. So it's it's been really nice. We've presented on that a couple of times. And then corporate relations, I say it happened accidentally because, again, a couple of years into our implementation, my advancement office came to me and said, hey, we've got some donor funds for us to really build out a red carpet experience for every external um, partner who comes to lead. Whether they're coming to speak in a class, meet with the dean, meet with a student group, we want to make sure they have an excellent experience every time and that they're having the same experience every time so they know what to expect. And we ended up using Qualtrics and Salesforce to support that uh, from a technical standpoint.
0: I love that you are doing relationship benefit from the student perspective all the way up to faculty, and staff, and with your corporate partners. Just curious, what kind, what products are you using?
2: We're using Sales Cloud. We're using Service Cloud. We're using Marketing Cloud. Um, we are also using Analytics Cloud. We dabbled a little bit within Einstein Discovery this year. Um, now that we do have five years of academic data in our org, um, along with all of these other touch points and engagements, and we're sitting on all this data, and we're like, we want to do things with it we don't just want to sit on data forever and so i'm really excited about um prediction builder coming out on that Um, i'm also excited about some collaboration efforts that we're having on campus to try to start analyzing our data and predicting it doing diving in a little bit more into early alerts but in addition to sales cloud service cloud marketing cloud and analytics cloud um, we also use a slew of applications off the app exchange which gets into our um you know, our clicks not code conversation that I'm I'm certain y'all are gonna touch on at least a little bit. And so the applications we use off the App Exchange are Conga. Um we use their Conga grid, they acquired Action Grid, um, and we also use their Conductor Composer solution to merge um, Microsoft like Word documents with our Salesforce data. We use LenVio for event management. We use Elements Cloud as an administrative administrative solution to um, evaluate what's being used, where, when, how, by whom, things like that. We use what's called validity now, um, which is the demand tools dupe blocker suite, we use Own Backup, which is our disaster recovery and backup solution that helps me sleep better at night. My end users don't so much think about that, but I sure do. Um, I mentioned we use Qualtrics. We've had Qualtrics for years here on the campus and we've leveraged their integration. Uh, I think we were actually the hi- first higher ed institution to use that Salesforce integration years ago. Um, we also use Form Assembly. We just started using that for some of our. Really complicated surveys that integrate with Salesforce. Um, we currently use TimeTrade for all of our online advising appointment making um, system for our students, as well as management on the uh, staff side. And then we use TaskRay for our project management solution.
1: So we use a lot of those products too. Um, I was listening to some of the some of the names you had in there, like FormAssembly or Linvio. Uh, own Backup. Uh, in fact, we have a presentation at Higher Ed Summit with Own Backup this year, which we're really excited about. So it sounds like you're really um, thinking about the App exchange as a part of your architecture. And this brings in part of your clicks, not code piece. Becky had a lot of questions about it last week and we had a good discussion. I think you're probably the best person to ask about some of this. But can you talk about how you manage integrations, um, how you think about integrations as a part of your architecture?
2: It's a great question and it's something Becky and I've talked about a lot. Um, I, I kind of accidentally became the poster child for a clicks not code org. Um, but we very purposefully have been a clicks not code org because I was upfront from the get go with our consultant. I don't staff developers. Which means if I have purposeful code in my org, it is not sustainable for me, and so it's all you're right that the app exchange really has been part of our architecture, and why shouldn't it be um, whenever those apps have already been pre vetted by Salesforce and they're on um, the application exchange, it's just up to me to make sure they're accessible, make sure they're affordable, and then looked at what, look at what kind of package it is um, and plug it in if it makes sense. And so uh, I think definitely it's been part of our strategy to retire. We have retired literally hundreds of quote unquote databases, and I'm doing air quotes because they were Excel files, but Excel files are databases just in the most rudimentary form. We have retired hundreds of them. We've retired thousands of Post-it notes and sticky notes. Um, we've retired, I think, seven access databases. I don't have any of my custom homegrown systems that we ho- supported seven years ago. Those have all been retired. And those have been retired with Salesforce functionality, standard and custom objects, as well as these applications getting plugged in. And so that's exactly what we're looking at, is if we're going to have a third-party application, does it integrate with Salesforce? If it doesn't integrate with Salesforce, then let's look at retiring it. And we're going to either retire it with Salesforce functionality or with an application off the App AppExchange. Um, if it does integrate with Salesforce, great, let's go down that path.
1: Do you have sort of a matrix or like a, a decision-making tool that you use when you select a vendor? Uh, it sounds like, you know, a big part of it is custom code, but do you have other things that you look for when you're thinking about the App Exchange?
2: Probably in my head. No,
1: um, actually, a lot of it is,
2: is built on the relationships I have in the community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always talking to people like y'all, people on the Hired Advisory Council, Salesforce MVPs, my consultant, and saying, here's what we want, or here's our problem we want to solve, or here's our use case. Let's talk about it. Let's brainstorm. What, you know, what does it make sense architecturally? What applications might make sense? There's a lot of community-sourced Google Sheets out there that um, are app comparisons, and it's you know it's it's unbiased it's here's everything for appointment scheduling go take Mm -hmm. a look what falls in your price range um, what is here at University of Colorado, especially, we want to make sure that everything is accessibly compliant. It passes security, things like that. I know that's a big thing for everyone in higher ed. And so it's really ticking down that list of accessibility, security, affordability. And then if they are on the app exchange, you know, is it a managed package? What is it? And that should be my disclaimer is that I don't have any custom code that I've written and I don't staff developers. But if the managed package that we implement does have custom code, then yes, that that is there but it's okay because i don't have a staff developer to maintain it it's being maintained and updated and upgraded along with that managed package so
0: that's a great approach and i think uh, sharing those best practices on how you work with those vendors and select those vendors and identify the app exchange solution i think those are great tips and tricks and i really like those best practices that you've been able to share
1: tell us a little bit about um the lead school and how it interacts with the rest of campus i think you guys have a really great strategy i'm wondering When you look at um, CU from sort of the Salesforce Tower view, if they were to build a Salesforce Tower in Boulder and look down on campus, what would they see as far as Salesforce architecture? Um, So this would be like number of orgs, that kind of stuff.
2: Well, first of all, I don't think they allow in the city of Boulder for you to build a building higher than five stories (laughs) because it blocks the beautiful views of our amazing mountains. I think that's a true story. I could ask my coworker. He sits on the Parks and Rec Committee. So I mentioned earlier that the University of Colorado has multiple IT departments. That's really common for a large university system to have central IT that serves four campuses and central IT that serves one campus. And then we've got IT that serves our school. And we have a really good relationship with UIS, University Information Systems, that has a lot of offerings that serve up all four campuses. Um, A critical component is our student information system. And we've had an integration with that since day one. And we couldn't have had that without that relationship. And so that's a constant relationship that we're working on and making sure that we're getting what we need, that we're not bogging them down, that we're trying to be independent and things like that. Um, additionally, we have a good relationship here. at Leeds over with the Office of Information Technology, OIT, which is central IT here at CU Boulder. And they have the enterprise CRM team. We call that ECRM. They fall under OIT. And Kalman Sweetwine actually is a solution architect on that team. And he also sits on the higher Advisory Council with us. And they've had their instance of Salesforce for four or five years. And so it's been really great uh, understanding what they're doing with their instance and where they want to go. That's probably more important. And then aligning that with where we're headed. And I think where we're headed now, as far as their instance and our instance, is integrating by way of... Um, our MDM or a data lake. That partnership that we're building with the eCRM team is gonna be great so that we can share the data that we need across instances at the University of Colorado so that we can get complete insights about all of our constituents, our students, faculty, staff, corporate partners, employers, and they can do the same. And it keeps our end users happy with the products that they have.
0: So you talk a little bit about um, the MDM and the data lake being part of your roadmap. What else is on your roadmap that you can share with us?
2: Oh my goodness, what isn't on my roadmap? Um, (laughs) You ask me and it's there somewhere. Uh, But, you know, these people, they keep making me have to prioritize things and they they prioritize things. And so um, it's actually really cool here at Leeds. We have been really actively trying to move towards a federated model. Um, As I said, I've been like the drum beater for all these years about Salesforce because I am so passionate about the company, the product, the ecosystem. And, but now we do, we've got the grassroots bottom up. We've got the administration top down support. So we're really, we're, we're flying, you know? And so I've been trying to move some of the decision-making out of my office because I keep trying to put my hat on going, I'm not the business owner. You know, I'm not the money handler. I'm the technologist. So y'all come to me, you know, with what gets prioritized for the business processes that need to be streamlined or automated and then where the finances are coming from and tell me what to do. And so it's been exciting because in the past I've gone and said, okay, based on what I've heard, I think we need to do these things in the next year to align with our strategic vision and what people are needing and things like that. And now it's fun because I've got my federated power users that are really that tier one support for our departments and our other users, Mm -hmm. and they can... um, prioritize internally and then we all bring it up and we make that decision collectively. So we are actually looking at our FY 20. I cannot believe I'm saying that, but we are looking at our FY 20 project hopper now. That's what I call it. And we've got some cool things. We've got things like integrating with the data lake. Um, we've got a lot of work constantly expanding on our, um, Integration with our student information system. We're looking to onboard our advancement office more so than they already are as well as more um, Student services and career services for our MBA and MS programs We also want to do specialty program tracking as well as certification tracking for several of our programs like the residential academic program our uh, Global and study abroad programs our academic centers around entrepreneurship real estate um, social responsibility and Finance. And we're looking to implement Mowgli as our SMS texting solution. I'm really excited about that. We've got some fun use cases for our current students on that. We want to dive, I I dabbled a little bit into diving into some early alerts and predictive metrics. We want to do uh, curriculum planning and classroom utilization. That's more on that faculty success side and going more, um, being able to track more for like AACSB accreditation and things like that. And we're doing a really big initiative this year. We haven't, we don't have a name for it yet. So I'm calling it not a data dictionary and it's not going to be a data dictionary, but it is and also some standard operating procedures, but we've just got some really well-established processes and ways of doing things that are in people's heads. And the way I worded it to my users was, if you won the lottery and you ran away and lived on a beach in a hammock with a coconut drink and you never showed back up at Leeds, what do you do every day, week, month, and or year that would need to be documented so that we wouldn't miss you? So that's where we're headed with that.
0: Sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Very exciting. Sounds like you're going to have a lot more topics for us to uh, deep dive into in the future. So looking forward to that. Haley, I'm curious, what does MSU have on their roadmap? And I'm not talking about the roadmap to the NCAA championship. I know it's a big weekend for MSU.
1: Ghost Spartans. It is a really big weekend. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, They played Texas Tech on Saturday and they knocked out my Wolverines because I'm actually a Michigan Wolverine. Ah. Uh, And I'm like retribution. Uh, Go Spartans. That's what we're pretty excited about that. Maybe the one time you'll ever hear me say that, that vocally out loud. Go (laughs) green, go white.
0: Well, we have it recorded. (laughs) So
1: We have it recorded. I'll play that for my CIO later. Um, So our roadmap, let's see. So MSU, we've got a lot around uh, admissions, um, mostly undergrad admissions, and then two graduate schools on campus utilize Salesforce. So this is College of Law and College of Business. Um, It's all recruitment, um, the actual application type stuff. Uh, We also have a very small use case for advisor collaboration, not so much uh, with students yet, but just sharing of resources, one kind of commonplace, using it a bit in collaboration with teams. We're starting a group for faculty events, which cool to hear a little bit about the use case over at CU. We also have been doing a discovery engagement on advancement, and that's been really the last uh, six or seven months or so, doing discovery and then starting to chart out what that looks like. uh, And that sits alongside a large marketing cloud effort, which those are kind of the two things coming up very quickly here for us to get started on. Um, so we're in uh, almost to an RFP stage, so I'll keep quiet as to what we'll pick, but mm-hmm. stay tuned for more information. Um, but I think that's that's the closest thing. Uh, we recently had some good conversations with athletics, which would be a really exciting use case, especially at a school as big as, as MSU with all the complexity around athletics. For for our campus we have a two-org strategy, so uh, really thinking about admissions as one large instance and then everything else in once. And then probably, you know, more around adoption activities, thinking about a not a data dictionary, which I like how you said that, Joanna, (laughs) Uh, and documenting. That's one of the big efforts that we need to work on over the next year or so before we really tackle anything else. Um, And I guess the only other thing I'll say is orientation and housing have kind of come up more recently. Uh, is places we could start kind of branching from the admission side to the student success side. So anyway, that's what we have going on over here.
0: Thank you, Haley, for uh, adding to that discussion. I heard adoption in there several times, and I heard you say it, Haley, just right Mm -hmm. now. So um, I want to talk a little bit about adoption. Joanna, what makes you successful, and what what has made adoption successful for your users at CU Boulder?
2: User adoption has always been critical uh, to me personally because I know in all the roles I've been in and all the technologies I've seen in my years that, I mean, it's really true what they say, whatever you want to call it, the magic triangle or a stool can't stand without three legs and you've got to have people, products and processes, but it's true. You really do have to have all of that. And so I think that's where my PR comes in, that public relations. I really, I love the product part. I know I'm a nerd. I love the process part. I know I'm a nerd. But that people part is what I'm most passionate about. And whenever I'm excited about something, I've, I've been told that sometimes my energy can be a little contagious. And so I like to think that, you know, part of the reason we've been successful here, I think definitely is the grassroots It was our user's A few of them just biting the bullet and diving in and finally me being able to convince them that I'm not making their lives more difficult and I don't hate them. I love them and I'm making their life easier. And so um, I think that was really part of it. And then the other users seeing that success and being able to grab on to a success story from one of their colleagues instead of just a tech person telling them it's okay, you know. So that's been great. Um, The top down buy-in is definitely big. We're starting to write Salesforce CRM experience into position descriptions as well as performance plans, part of that, you know, that federated model. And then I think we've had a couple of just really fun things that we've done throughout the years that seems to have worked really well. Early on, we did what we called Snack Force, where our my team would meet every month at the same time on the same day, and you would bring your lunch and we would provide dessert and it was very informal. We would sit there and sometimes nobody would come. We would sit there and sometimes 20 people would come with specific questions. I want you to help me fix this report. I have a question about how this field is used. I just want to fuss at you for something. They knew where to find me, you know? And so that was hugely successful at first. And that's something that as we've become a more mature org, it didn't make sense so much, now that our users have been on the, the instance for so long. Um, But now we've got fun things like my undergrad career development office, they block out, I think, an hour a week, and they just sit together in a conference room and do trails on Trailhead, just expanding their own knowledge, personal development, professional development. And so, you know, now that Trailhead has come along, it's been a lot of that. Um, We do a lot of train-the-trainer around here, again, so they don't just have IT telling them to do something and it's, it's, oh, it's IT telling me to do it. Um, So we do a lot of train-the-trainer. And I'm just really trying to always focus on the good as far as change management and how, yes, it is learning something new, but in the end, you're going to save time time and money and you're going to be more efficient. And by them seeing that within their
0: colleagues, it's, it's caught up.
1: Yeah. How do you, um, so I, I like snack Force, by the way, we should yep. do that.
0: <laughs> I, I wrote um, that term down.
1: I did too.
2: That, that's a good one. I have to credit my boss for the name. <laughs> he came up with it.
1: It's super cute, it's super it. cute. So I'm thinking a little bit about our listeners out there, and we've got people who um, who range from, haven't used Salesforce yet, but thinking about tiptoeing into it, to people who are veterans, you know, like, like those of us on the Higher Ed Advisory Council and have had multiple years of experience and are used to some of the, the ways in which they might engage users. So it's still on this adoption track. What do you think is a really easy way for somebody to start adoption through documentation? Uh, and do you use anything right now to capture pieces about your org um, and document it for things like workflows, automation, but but even you're not a data dictionary? What do you guys actually do right now to help them through that?
2: Right now, as far as um, capturing bits and pieces about our org, I would say it's really a hodgepodge. It's a lot of Google Docs, a lot of Google Sheets. We at least try to be organized with permissioning and and sorting these by, you know, back-end stuff versus front-end stuff. If it's front-end, is it for a career, academic advising, things like that. Um, We have a lot of quick reference guides because um, even me being a tech person, I sometimes just like to have a piece of paper to walk away with and do it on my own. We try to really accommodate the different learning styles that our users have. And so sometimes we'll do um, a screen capture showing how we physically, you know, as an example, mapped a survey to a field in Salesforce, and we send them the video. They watch it, they do it on their own. Sometimes they want us to show them in person how to do it. Sometimes they want us to give them a document, and they go and do it. Sometimes they want us to do it for them, which we do once, and then we want them to fish. And so it's it's all these things trying to um, get them going with documentation. So I think it really is a variety of, um, actual documents versus videos and things like that. So as far as products go that we've used to help our lives stay a little bit more sane is um, TaskRay being our project management solution. That's been great internally in my team. I've got business analysts and solution architects. So we can keep our heads on straight knowing where we are in the project pipeline and who's working on what. It also helps with our federated uh, power user model. Um, because all of them are obviously Salesforce users. We can assign tasks for them, or we can at mention them in a chatter post if we need something from them. So that helps a lot. We implemented Elements Cloud this year, which has helped a lot with which fields were being used where, as far as reporting and workflows and processes go. So that helped a lot because when we did our lightning migration this year, we also did an org cleanup because our org was five years old. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was how many workflows do we have? how many processes do we have? Okay, we got to consolidate these. So that was a big help there. And then we did do an accelerator with Salesforce and did field footprint. And that, again, helped us eliminate some of those fields that just weren't being used, that were probably asked for five years ago, and they swore they were going to use them. And turns out, we didn't need them. Mm
1: -hmm. You give me so much confidence that in a couple of years, when we're really like, uh, when we're really established here, we're going to get to use things like accelerators and, and, you know, Einstein and all these things that are really cool. I mean, you're really at that point where, you know, you've got, I think you said five years of data, you've got your org pretty set, you've got a strategy, you've got a an architecture um, that you guys, you know, love and appreciate, and I just am so excited to get to the point where you are right now. <laughs> um, like oh, thank like, you. Man. That's gonna it's be definitely great.
2: been a journey and I think we're definitely still on it. You're right though. Um, we do. We've got a, I've, I'm feeling really good about our strategy and our architecture. I'm feeling really good about the people um, and I'm feeling really good about the processes that we're helping them with. And so um, yeah, it's, it's a good place to be right now.
1: Yeah. I think it of like our, our implementation, I, I think of those with like maybe five things that are really important. So architecture work strategy, adoption, Uh, analytics and then the last one being just sort of documentation and scalability Um, and I'm like you got all of those man (laughs) like every single part of that. Well I mean we're getting
2: there we have to do our not a data dictionary to be fully there on that fifth point.
1: (laughs) Which I might make the title of your episode not a data dictionary. My,
2: my boss would be proud. He also came up with that one. He's like, we don't have a name for it. Let's just call it not a data dictionary. And I'm like, great, let's do it.
1: (laughs) Or if you do like the Borat, like data dictionary, not, it would be good too.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So it sounds like we just
0: defined the, uh, the road to maturity there.
1: I mean yes. <laughs> Five steps to maturity. Thank you. I like it. Yeah. it. Sounds
0: like a blog post
2: might be coming up afterwards.
1: Yeah, I I'm definitely I'm well one I'm proud to know you, but also I'm just proud of you guys and the work that you're doing because I, I do I, I'm thinking of you know when we start to forecast out who we want to be like in a couple of years. I mean, CU comes up almost every time where they've got something oh. figured out that we don't. So, you know, in case it helps You're appreciated. Oh, great. uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of questions for you, actually. And I wanted to make sure we got one more question um, out from the community. So, um, in in case anybody's listening and they want to know how to ask questions, typically the week of a podcast, uh, we'll post out there who we're talking with and ask for community questions. And we had two this week, and actually a couple of people who just said ditto from their question from the previous week. So, you might get a Corey Snow question in here as well. Um, But we had somebody who asked a little bit about. Folks who are existing in higher ed uh, in Classic, so not in Lightning, and also not in HEDA, how would you explain the value of migrating to any data architecture, whether it be HEDA or NPSP, as well as Lightning to leadership and get buy-in? Is that something you think you could advise us on?
2: That's a great question. I think it's it's a perfect time to have my own safe harbor and that like everything I'm saying on this podcast is my opinion and you can take it or leave it. But um, so I think lightning, in my opinion, it, it you don't really have to sell it much because, you know, it's, it's not like Salesforce changes their user interface every year. This is only, I think, the third time. This is only the third user interface in 20 years. And I've been on all three. And boy, do I, do I mean it when I say they do get better. And so I think you don't really have a choice. And, and we, we are in the middle of our Lightning migration. And we chose to, to make that move before our, our hands were tied and we had to. Because I know that Salesforce is not developing on Classic anymore. They're developing on Lightning. And I also know that Lightning doesn't have all the features Classic has currently but i know it will and so to me it's not a choice i'm going to go to lightning so i might as well go now and hold my users hands as long as they need it to until we get to the point where we can flip it off comfortably and so we'll be good to go there as far as um the data architecture whether it's HETA, mpsp completely custom i think that's any institution's decision Um, for us being a veteran org HEDA wasn't around. If it was, we would have leveraged it from day one. We've basically built HEDA by way of components of the Nonprofit Success Pack and custom objects. But now that we are a veteran org, as of now, it doesn't make sense for us to go to HEDA yet because this listener is right, and that it it will come with um, a cost, both time and money and so I do think that um, we will need to see some people um, really put pen to paper in evaluating what that investment is and where the um, critical mass, if you will, is on making that transition. But what I'm happy to see is that there's just options now. It's not just everyone flying by the seat of their pants and reinventing wheels every day. And so we can actually start leveraging some of the great work that Salesforce is doing uh, with Nonprofit Success Pack and and HEDA.
1: It's hard. I think we, we were able to start with HEDA at Michigan State and because we're only really about three years old or so in, in our large enterprise instance, so we started there, and so we're lucky to be able to do that, but I think you're right. As long as you've got some of those core components and something that works for you, I think a data architecture um, is maybe something that people are a little bit more hesitant to completely switch up unless you're moving or migrating your entire instance. One one last question for you, and then we'll go ahead and close. I, it's only really out of personal curiosity because I keep saying it, but like I'm really doing this for me just to get my questions answered. So um, <laughs> you said that you don't staff developers. So I just want to make sure I understand what the makeup of your team looks like what what are the must-have roles for your group? You mentioned uh, solution architects and business analysts, and I'm assuming administrators. Are there any other roles that you'd call out or a number of roles that you think is magic for you guys over at CU? Ooh, what's magic? Um, so actually
2: Salesforce has a great document on, um, I think actually it might even be from salesforce.org, which is even better because it's specific to nonprofits and education. They have a document on, you know, if you have this many number of users, you, mean you need this many administrators and things like that. We roughly followed that early on because it felt right. But I think that, um, you know, as is everyone in higher education, we're all money strapped. And so even though, my staff, so I'm the director of CRM, and then I have three full-time staff, two are business solution architects, and one is a business analyst. But all of them do training, all of them do documentation, all of them do governance, all of them are in our ticketing system troubleshooting, and all of them are doing some sort of requirements gathering, you know, user stories, architecture, implementation support, because we're higher ed. We're all wearing a lot of hats. And so I think you know the magic number is going to be different for everyone and probably no matter what higher ed you are uh, you're probably fully staffing fewer than you should be in the long run and that's where you get creative like a student workforce um leveraging a consultant when and where you can we started our implementation almost completely dependent on our consultant but we were very clear that we wanted um them to train us, train the trainer. So train us as you go. We don't want to be dependent on you forever. And so now that we're six years down the line, we have a support contract and we use them for really big things that are just completely outside of our bandwidth and or they're outside of our knowledge. And so they help us with that and then they pass it off to us and we go with it. And so I think that's been kind of the magic for us is that early on it was just me and one person. And I think it was a Kind of a BA administrative role and that was it now there's four of us plus the students we don't have to leverage the consultant as much but they're still there when we need them
0: That's awesome. I, I love the fact that you are doing some of that cross training giving folks the opportunities to work across governance work across requirements I think it's big and I think that really does set uh, some departments up for success having that that cross knowledge is very important and allows you to leverage people's skills across your organization fantastic So, Joanna, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We are very excited, and we're very excited to have you. But before we let you leave, I want to ask one more question, which is about the Higher Ed Summit that's coming up here in a few weeks. Any presentations we should watch for, or any insider tips for those who are attending?
2: I'm so excited to see everyone and meet new people at the summit. Um, I heard this morning that it did officially sell out. Looking forward to sunny San Diego. Um, I actually have a blog uh, getting posted in a couple of days on salesforce.org's website. And that'll give you all my insider tips as far as do's and don'ts and where you should be and and don't sweat, sweat the small stuff and things like that. So I'll I'll just leave you with that little teaser for that, but um, I am a part of actually a diversity inclusion workshop this year. I would love for y'all to be a part of it. They have an equality lounge and they're doing an diversity and inclusion um, track this year. So I'm really excited about that. The name of my session is Amplifying Diversity at Your Institution. Um, So I'm excited, but I'm excited about now that Agenda Builder's live, I've hopped out there and I'm getting more excited about the keynotes. I'm getting excited about some of the workshops and the breakout sessions. And then um, several members of the Hired Advisory Council each day at lunch will be meeting in um, a specific room. It's actually in the Agenda Builder. Um, If you want to come talk to us about specific things like admissions or advancement or marketing, it's called Birds of a Feather. And it's a great way to... um, let's do this it's a great way to feed two birds with one scone you can eat your lunch while you're chatting with people about you know problems you're trying to solve ideas you have things like that
1: all right we'll get a little taste
0: of snack force we'll get a little taste of snack
1: force yes that was great so i'm actually (laughs) also presenting on tuesday with own backup i know it's a tool that you use um so we're presenting at some point in the afternoon and we also have a happy hour so for anybody looking to learn a little bit more about backup and disaster recovery with Salesforce and own backup, um, come find us. I think we're Tuesday at two or something like that. So first day of the of the presentation. Um, we'll also be recording a live episode of this um, of this podcast, of the podcast at some point over the over the course of Higher Ed Summit, as well as with Salesforce.org on the Education Empowered podcast. So they plugged us last week. I want to make sure we plug them a little bit too. So Joanna, if any of our listeners have questions, how should they engage with you? Do you want them to reach out to you on Twitter and can you tell them what your handle is?
2: Absolutely. I always look forward to having great conversations with people. And like I said, whether I know you or not, you only need to talk to me for about five seconds and we can be best friends because I love getting to know new people. You can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, ITurby, I-T-U-R-B-E, and then I'm on the Power of Us Hub and the Trailblazer community.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again to you and to all of our listeners out there. Please subscribe, listen, and engage with us. We're available through Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, as well as through our website, thepodcash.com. Uh, our Twitter handle is at thepodcast, and we want you to send us all of your questions and comments. Uh, We're looking forward to our next episode where we talk in person at the Higher Ed Summit with members of our Higher Education Advisory Committee. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.